0: Welcome to the It's Become a Whole Thing podcast with me, your host, Emily Rose, where we take a subversive look at all the celebrity gossip you want and some you never knew you needed. We'll take a deep dive into the hidden meanings of what's really going on in the world of pop culture, because here we contain multitudes and read between the lines. Join me. Hello, my fellow trolls, and welcome back to the It's Become a Whole Thing podcast, a podcast about pop culture and zeitgeisty things. I'm your host, Emily Rose, and how are you doing? How is everyone? I hope you've been getting out for your troll strolls, um, or not. It's highly optional. Um, you know, a central tenet of it is, you know, don't do it if you're not feeling it. That's basically one of the main reasons why I was motivated to make it as the antithesis to the hot girl walk um along with like you know needing to be done up i was like i am uh tired and they're telling me it has to be like every day and like ten thousand steps i'm like i'm trying to vibe i'm trying to undo uh the little perfectionist nitpicky voice that's like you know um gotta do more I'm trying to do less. That's the spirit that I'm going into this next year with. Um, Yeah. And this week I have an exciting episode. Uh, We're taking it back to old Hollywood to some of the most prolific people in it, To very, very different people, Judy Garland and Walt Disney. We'll be talking about a lot of weird things about their life um the rumors the trajectories um just looking into peeling back the curtain um content warning for the judy garland part basically every content warning that could exist her life was very depressing and unfortunate and tragic walt disney's his life was more just weird than anything um there's timestamps in the episode description there always is if you want to like jump around or you know Uh, Before we get into the show today, I have a little announcement. I'm going to be taking a month off the pod because uh, baby needs a little break. (laughs) I said I was tired and I am not kidding about that. But because I am a content machine, I will still be putting out episodes every week on the Patreon. Uh, The Patreon is a different vibe than this podcast. It's even more unhinged, believe it or not. It's like an after hours kind of vibe. Very casual, uh, very off the cuff. We still do deep dives, all that good stuff. Um, This week's, which will be coming out on Wednesday, is a look into the life of Gwen Stefani, um, as requested by one of the Patreon listeners. So patreon.com slash has become a whole thing. It's $5 a month. um, And so that's where you'll be able to find me until mid-January. Oh, actually, there's one more place where you can find me. It's something that's not for everyone, but as my very British dad would say, for those who like that sort of thing, that's the sort of thing they like. Um, It's a limited series podcast about death and it's called Death is a Whole Thing. Um, I'm going to be putting it together with fellow creator Meredith Lynch. She's appeared on the podcast before, and it's a lighthearted look at the world of grief and loss. Um, We're both very similar in that we'd like to deal with grief with laws and chilling and chatting, analyzing. Um, Yeah, like I said, it's not for everyone, but the holidays are so awful um, for a lot of people, for those who have lost someone. Uh, It's our way of like keeping you company, all hanging out, like giggling (laughs) giggling about how awful things can be you know um but it's a very lighthearted look it's also one where we ask each other questions we, we just dig in um it's meant to be fun because that's how we like to approach that topic so it's something that if you think that that would resonate with yourself or just someone in your life who has lost someone and just wants company and um that's what we're trying to create. So that'll be coming out mid-December. I'll put up a trailer on this feed for you guys if you're interested in listening. But yeah, we've recorded a few episodes so far and uh, I'm really proud of what we've put together. Uh, We did a Mother's Day episode this past year called The Dead Mom Club and I heard from a lot of you guys that it resonated and that meant meant a lot to me. That was really nice. All I want to do is just hang out with you guys and like have this just feel like we're just just taking a moment just taking a breather um just keeping each other company you know just hanging out taking a bit of the weight off if that can be this for even a moment for you guys good gravy amazing uh i've done what i've come here to do uh and now is the moment where I ask you uh, to, if you can, if you like what you're hearing, to review the podcast with five stars because external validation is extremely important to me um, and you know to the success of the podcast, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, yeah, five stars would be great. Constructive feedback. Just write it to me. Um, unconstructive feedback. Um, I hope you get a journal for the holidays and you can write it in there and then close it and then never look at it again. Uh, (laughs) See, (laughs) this this bitter Betty needs a little break, even though I will still be putting out episodes. Um, Let's just get into the episode today. It's with Sammy P, who you, you know, you guys know her. So without further ado, let's get into today's episode. Okay, and we're back with Sammy P. Hello. Hi,
1: I'm so excited to be back. What the fuck is going on? <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, it's just been a great day. I'm having a slice of pie for breakfast with some ice cream on it. So I'm full on in the holiday spirit. What kind of pie? Uh, lemon meringue. <gasps>
0: Incredible.
1: Incredible. Yeah. It was made at my work um, for children and I wanted an extra slice so bad that I had an employee come in and bring me one i was like i i was told there would be a slice left in the fridge um where is that slice? And he was like well i was just about to eat it but i i could bring it to you i was like thank you thank you so
0: much your job actually relies on this thank you <laughs> thanks for being a team player <laughs> yeah great um, yeah. great effort great effort yeah um that's great i was just talking last night about how um pies are superior to cakes
1: well i don't agree with that but for a meringue or a key lime i will i'll get down and dirty and these are the breaking controversial opinions
0: that people come to this podcast for (laughs) (laughs) also heated debates
1: (laughs) like i just do not like pumpkin pie sorry okay well
0: like when i'm representing for like the world of you know the pie what's your favorite pie um I would probably say, this is going to sound really
1: pretentious, um, I like a little like custard tart with some glazed fruit on top. Okay, I didn't know that tarts are now considered in the pie category. I thought that was kind of a separate thing. Okay, well, I
0: can tell that this is going to get... Really heated. So I'm going to put it. It's going to get ugly. (laughs) This is going to (laughs) get ugly. And we don't want to start off on that note. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I just want to say that by the time this comes out um, on Monday, it will be a day after the White Lotus finale. And so people will know what has gone on.
1: Yeah. We'll be living in a whole new world. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
0: We don't know. We're of the past. Yeah. There's a Um, part of us that hasn't awakened yet. No. And it's all I think about. So I'm kind of like, I don't want it to come. It's too soon. But also I need it to come because I don't know. The hyper is
1: it's a, out of control levels. Yeah, I was going to say, should we lock in our predictions so that we can look dumb? <laughs> Maybe not.
0: I don't even have predictions because it's one of those mind tricks of a show where I feel like whatever your prediction is, it'll be the opposite of that. It is constantly surprising. Yes. Like, you know, it could be Jennifer Coolidge, who is like, seems to be the one constant. Even though they've already renewed season three, I don't think it'll be the escorts because I think that's a really tired trope. Um, I, eh, but it's also multiple yeah. people, so I don't. Mm-hmm. I think
1: <sighs> Portia and Albie will die, but we'll see. Okay. Um, speaking of Albie,
0: uh, we talked about this on the Patreon a little while back about our characters that we hate the most. Um, mm-hmm. I have a different answer for mine now.
1: Um, okay.
0: it's Albi. He triggers okay. me the most. He's a, he's a where's my hug guy.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's definitely a nice guy's finish last kind of guy, but like, I would hardly say he's the worst. <laughs> I, well, I don't think Portia's the
0: worst either. I think she's very familiar oh, to she's like... She's
1: so annoying.
0: God. Anyway. You, oh, well, okay. So for anyone who's not subscribed to the Patreon, which like, you know not too late um but <laughs> sam's you said your character you hate the most was porsche and like porsche's not so not, i'm not like saying albie's evil but i'm saying he's the one who pisses me off the most like just when he started like reciting feminist theory in front of Portia and like his dad and grandfather i'm like just performative feminist guys hit me in a particular place of annoyance
1: yeah yeah, I mean, I'm just like, I find it so interesting that he jumped to the top of so many people's most hated list because I haven't got there yet. I really haven't seen him be like such a fake and performative feminist. I don't know. What what makes you think he's like so fake? Just his like rejection that he wasn't picked?
0: Like his rejection. And at one point, like when um before the British guy showed up, by the way, guys, like, I don't even really think we're going to do spoilers, but eh, should I do a spoiler I don't know. There's sure. not really. Okay. A light spoiler lurks when I'm going to be talking about key plot points. But before the British guy showed up, like I was already getting annoyed with him. And like he showed up and Portia was clearly like really frazzled and just like stressed. And he just like showed up and like kissed her right out of the blue. And she was like, whoa, like I didn't expect it. And he was like, we'll expect it now and like went for another one. And I was just like, ugh, this is the exact behavior I expect from the nice guys finished last.
1: Yeah, totally. Because I think she had, like, given him advice to be more aggressive or something. Or am I imagining that? Anyway. It was just, like, read the room. And yeah, then she, totally. And then she
0: obviously seemed uncomfortable and was like, whoa, I didn't, did not expect that. And he's like, well, expect it. And you could tell he, like, psyched himself up and was like, I'm going to go in there. I'm going to be Yeah. There. It's like,
1: yes, I definitely understand him being, like, icky to people. Like, that guy who you, like, you're not really attracted to, but he's just trying so gosh darn hard and, like, is so persistent. And you're just kind of, like... If it hasn't happened at this point, like it's probably not going to happen. So maybe just like, yeah. I can't find a reason to reject you, but it's just not, yeah. not working for me.
0: It's like the fact that you're not like sexually attracted to him. It's like, is that something to do with me or is it him? Like, you know? Yeah. Yeah. We've all been there. Yeah. So that's my update. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Should we get into the topic at hand? Yeah. Let's just get into it. No foreplay today. Yeah, no warm-up, just right into it. Um, into, right into it.
1: <laughs> Why are we being so weird about this topic? I don't know. Did I put us <laughs> in a weird mood? <laughs> um, no, it's never your fault. <laughs> know that. You've never um, done anything wrong in your life. Okay, ever. so ever, and neither have
0: you, <laughs> listeners. None of us have ever done no. anything wrong, and anyone who says otherwise is toxic. Yeah, um, we're really anyhow, good guys. Yeah, um, so we're gonna be talking old Hollywood today, and we're gonna get into two very prolific characters um, who've basically like just helped to craft
1: current culture as it is today. Yeah definitely helped put the building blocks in Hollywood, the Hollywood that we still live in today. The merciless and godless machine. (laughs) Yeah, Hollywood machine. Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna cover Judy Garland. And like, it's like a famously very, very dark, tragic story. So just a heads up there. (laughs) But to start it off on a kind of a light note. um, You know, we love Judy. She's incredibly talented. She has a beautiful voice. It's very unique. She can do low. She can do vibrato. She could do powerful belts. She's an amazing performer. She has an EGOT. Really? Yeah. She's witty. She's smart. She's tough. She's a survivor and a gay icon. Um, Absolutely. She was very beloved. Like At her funeral service in New York, 20,000 people attended and were just weeping in the streets. And... The Stonewall riots happened a few hours after the funeral ended in New York. And the connection of the two events kind of depends on who you ask. But let's just say there was a vibe. It was the straw that broke the camel's back. (laughs) Yeah, like people were pissed and sad like that in the gay community. Like, you know, she had a lot of gay fans and also a lot of gay husbands and a gay dad. So she was living that. She was about that life. Yeah, Um. She was a true ally. So you said you hadn't seen the Renee Zellweger movie, right? No. Um, it's so good. It's like she channels Judy. She plays Ju- Judy Garland? Yeah. And like when I heard that casting, I was like, I just don't see it. But like she becomes her. It's eerie. Yeah. And she does a really good job. Um, But back to Judy. I didn't know she was a, a lifelong and active Democrat. You know, she did some political work. She was a supporter of the civil rights movement, and the very opposite of our second character. We'll be discussing Walt Disney, right? Totally. She was like um, vocal against the like witch hunts that were going on in the fifties. The House Witch Witch Witch, like in Hollywood which, that- <laughs> witch hunts. <laughs> Sorry, you know how there was um, the House Un-American Activity Committee and like gay people and communists were being hunted. Oh, I didn't know that, that was what
0: the committee was called, but I knew that it was like communists and gay people, like basically like
1: uh defectors or people challenging American ideals. Yeah, totally. It was just like a fear campaign to try and like persecute people who were maybe threatening capitalism or threatening the patriarchy or communists um J. Edgar Hoover was a big part of it. He was the head of the FBI and was, you know. Okay. Okay. So she free. was, she anyway. was, okay.
0: So she was, involved. but she
1: was like standing up, being like, this isn't right. And coming out publicly, she is saying, this is her quote before every free conscience in America is subpoenaed, please speak up, say your piece, write your congressman a letter, let the Congress know what you think of its un American committee. Like, She's like, we are not going to have our civil liberties taken away by these losers. So I love that. Um, She was born Frances Ethel Gum on June 10th, 1922. So she's a Gemini. Um, Hello, Gemini, Sam. Hello. Just another Uh, one of the prolific legacy of Geminis, of which you're part. Another iconic Gemini. What can I say? She was born to two impoverished parents in grand rapids minnesota they were kind of like failed vaudeville performers um they already had two kids um and so when they got pregnant with judy they tried to obtain an abortion but they could not access illegal abortions at the time because they just didn't have those connections so her mother was you know they had a tough relationship she was described like judy hated her she said she was a wicked witch a bitter bitch like wicked witch bitter bitch did she say it like that one after the other (laughs) no she didn't (laughs) okay <laughs> um her father was a uh, was in the closet uh he was having affairs with men and also teenage boys so their reputation got really bad in grand rapids and they had to move to california to try to start a new life Ooh, and, like underage boys well teen i mean they didn't specify but oh, yeah. i'm guessing it was yeah. a little sus
0: and also i imagine grand rapids well actually i don't know how big grand rapids is but I bet people were talking
1: oh yeah absolutely minnesota in 1922 <laughs> like uh yeah you definitely not accepting of uh sleeping with teens <laughs> was, yeah, oh, yeah that too that too so he had a few strikes against him in the eyes of the community well, um, i think it was fine if it was a heterosexual teen <laughs> to older yeah, oh, yeah person oh, if, it was, if it was a 15 year old girl no problem <laughs> yeah zero zero issue there yeah um so judy was on stage dancing acting and singing since age 2. Um so before you know some kids are really talking she was out there. <laughs> she hustling. was working. They put yeah. her to
0: work. They worked her into the grave some could argue. Yep.
1: Yes. Uh her mom was a determined stage parent. She brought Judy and her sisters to nightclubs, fairs, even illegal gambling clubs, places that were terrifying for the kids to perform. And if they were like sick and throwing up, her mom would be like, "If you don't get out on that stage, I will literally beat you to death." Did she say uh, that? Yeah, she would say like, "I will fucking whip the shit out of you," and and <laughs> little threats. It was all like old timey threats. Like, "I'll I'll break off the, the whatever <laughs> you wrap scallions." I'm gonna <laughs> yeah, I'll yeah. whip you with the cord or like whatever they did back then. It was yeah, disturbing. Um, And also her mom was the first one who provided her with amphetamines to keep her energy up at around age nine. She started her on those and then the sleeping pill afterwards to get her to sleep. So oh my God,
0: I was about to ask when you think that was phased out um, for child stars, but I think it's probably still a practice, just not acceptable to talk about it.
1: Totally. Well, Lindsay Lohan is one of our most... Famous Adderall addicts out there, like she was a child star. Like I'm sure, like Judy Garland was working 18 hour days. So you really can't do that without amphetamines. Like maybe some people can, but no, mm. not consistently. (laughs) No, do uppers, downers, and
0: candy corn. (laughs) (laughs) No, but like seriously, it's like, and then you would need so many amphetamines to work, and then you would need so many sleeping pills to
1: get the little bit of sleep that you could. And then when you wake up, you're groggy. So maybe you double the dose like that's. Yeah, that's how it all got started. So at age 13, she was signed to MGM and she was under the studio head, Louis B. Meyer at the time, who was the Harvey Weinstein of the 30s. And he started her nickname, My Little Hunchback, um, because she had like a slight curvature of her spine and she was under five feet tall and he would constantly bully her and like call her the ugly duckling of the studio and like make her feel hideous um and he would like call her into his office and make her like sing for him and then he would like grope her like squeeze her boobs and put his hand up her dress and like all kinds of stuff and like make her keep performing so trauma for sure like nothing but trauma basically and then like he said she's too chubby so he got the commissary on the studio set to serve her nothing but chicken broth cottage cheese or plain lettuce no matter what she ordered that's what would come out to her and wait chicken broth and what uh like a plate of lettuce and cottage cheese like separate I'm thinking oh that's like stomach curdling yeah uh and he had a network of informants that would report to him what she was eating and he like would dole out her amphetamines uh as well um that's how she described it some other people were like no no the studio didn't give her amphetamines but I I'm inclined to believe (laughs) her. And so yeah, like I said, she was working till five in the morning um every day. They put her on two films a year. There seemed to have been no child labor laws at the time. (laughs) Like of course not. Yeah. So she started calling her pills the Bolts and Jolts around this time. And by the time she was 16, she replaced Shirley Temple in The Wizard of Oz. And she was obviously a lot older and like had you know developed and Shirley Temple was still a child at the time so they tried to make Judy look as young as possible they tried to get her to like starve herself down they like bound down her breasts and um the studio was like encouraging her to like try to smoke like 80 cigarettes a day
0: (laughs) at that place like can't you just get a younger actor
1: wouldn't that be easier well not who could sing like Judy Judy was their third choice so they'd already lost their top two choices and like who what Uh, they couldn't borrow Shirley Temple from another studio she was like not allowed by her contract and then the second person dropped out maybe she got pregnant or something like that but she couldn't do it and um, yeah so they had Judy and they were just trying to make her fit into what they imagined and they like you know corseted her up in the movie and there's a lot of talk about how they put like discs in her nose like prosthetics in her nose to make it like different and like button nosy and I'm like, damn. They had, like, some high-tech prosthetics because I would never noticed a weird fake nose on her. Fake nose? What? Yeah. I know. Like, how was the technology back then better than, like, Nicole Kidman in the hours? <laughs> yeah, you're obsessed with Nicole Kidman and her wigs. Well, and her prosthetics. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm obsessed with her wigs. I'm not obsessed with her prosthetics. Don't make me seem like what? some kind of freak. <laughs> well, your wig cool. obsession is is normal. Okay, it's cool.
0: <laughs> That's fine. Yeah, you're no, you're obsessed with her seamless uh, alterations of appearance. <laughs> she's the she's glamour goddess. So, so basically, Judy Garland was just propped up by like pills and like weird metal things in her nose, and so
1: just yeah, told to dance. Dance, dance, dance. So the movie came out in 1939, The Wizard of Oz, obviously. Okay. She won an an Oscar for it. And then in a few years later. Did you watch it as a kid? Of course. Over and over. Okay. I'm sorry. We're recording the Julie Garland episode. It's a valid question. Yes. I love Judy. I love The Wizard of Oz. I even liked Meet Me in St. Louis. Like, I've even seen The Wizard of Oz. I loved it. Yeah. Well, like, it's. It's so rare for someone to do a performance that is truly like a forever timeless addition to the world. Like her singing Somewhere Over the Rainbow is always going to be one of the greatest like vocal performances, emotional performances ever put on film. And like that's just so amazing. And it's so sad how like all her tragedy overshadows that so much. But she was, oh my
0: God, maybe that's why she's saying it so hopefully. Because she just wanted her happiness somewhere over the rainbow. Oh my God. I'm yes. just putting this together now. Oh my God. It's like her life. Yes. <laughs> it's like a symbol for her life where they they were like always pursuing something. And that thing was just always dangled in front of them. And it was never even real in the first place.
1: Absolutely. And she's said how like she completely connects to the song and like it is the hope of her life. And that's why she was able to layer so much. Emotion into it. And like she says, like someday, like my troubles will melt like lemon drops. And if happy little bluebirds fly beyond the rainbow, why can't I? Yeah. So a couple years after The Wizard of Oz, she got married to composer David Rose. She was 19 and he was 30. Um, she was basically just trying to get away from her mother at this time she became pregnant and he teamed up with her mother to pressure her into an illegal abortion saying a child would ruin her image as an ingenue and like make her seem too old and they wanted her to stay as like this girl next door image so they divorced after three years Um, in 1944 she did meet me in St. Louis where she looked very beautiful and there was like a nice little story about like how this was the first makeup artist that didn't put like fake teeth on her and fake nose and like she like wrote this makeup artist into her contracts for every movie she ever did since because this was the first woman to ever be like you're a pretty girl you don't need all that like you're pretty it's okay you're enough did she break out into song after (laughs) i mean i mean like imagine being told you're ugly so much and still being beautiful enough to be a movie star but like it doesn't matter because everyone in the industry is always like, you are hideous. No, I can't it's imagine horrible. any of this. I know. So she married the director of meet me in St. Louis, Vicente Minelli, and had Liza Minelli with him. Um, they divorced six years later when he was discovered to be having affairs with men. Uh, during the late forties, she definitely went through a hard time. She had a few suicide attempts, which she was institutionalized for And she had a long hospital stay after that to try and bring her back to health. Like she was like severely underweight and like just her body was just like giving up on her. So like a psychiatric hospital or like a hospital? hospital? Well, both. She went to both psychiatric hospitals and then later medical hospitals because her health was really poor.
0: Even the psychiatric hospital to the stars
1: of that decade sounds terrifying. Totally. Totally. I know she went to two different, I think, institution, mental health institutions. And it's like, who knows what the fuck went on in there. But yeah, other than um, the treatment that they would give them for hysteria, like we're
0: just just vibrators, like it all sounds pretty horrifying.
1: Maybe it was chill in there.
0: <laughs> like, yeah, maybe it was cool. I don't know. Maybe it was just opiates and vibrators. I don't know. Maybe <laughs> that in that case, then yeah, that's cool. But like we could all use a
1: little R. <laughs> yeah.
0: A little cheeky lobotomy. I don't know. Whatever. Like
1: it sounds. <laughs> yeah, maybe it wasn't all bad. Maybe it wasn't all bad. So she did get sober in the hospital, but she gained some weight so as soon as she came back to work and finished her film they were like get right back on those pills bitch you better like drop those 15 pounds um so she was sober for like one second um and once she got back on the pills you know she's relapsing she's like late for work missing appointments that kind of thing so she ended up getting fired from a movie and she was so depressed she like took a piece of glass and and cut her throat um like not deeply but it was like leaked to the press which then got like it it like went like wildfire the rumor spread and so everyone in the world was like oh my god judy garland slashed her throat open with a piece of glass like when we see her she's gonna look like the headless horseman and blah 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 like so she started getting like social anxiety about like trying to work again after that um And now here's a little bit of a nice story. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) Just Um, to comfort ourselves after that horribly depressing timeline. But she's a fucking survivor, Emily. Like, she is tough as nails. So she's ready to get back out there, kind of. Or she needs to because she's, like, in debt. She had, like, serious money problems all throughout her career. And one of her good friends was Bing Crosby. And he had a show called Craft Music Hall. and he was like oh my god I know like my friend is depressed she's running out of money she needs like a shot in the arm to her career so he brought her onto the premiere of his radio show and he says she was standing in the wings trembling with fear she was almost hysterical she said I can't go out there because they're all going to be looking at me to see if there's scars and it's going to be terrible and um He walked out on stage and said, okay, everyone, we've got a friend here and she's had a little trouble recently. You probably heard about it. Everything is fine now. She needs our love. She needs our support. She's here. Let's give it to her, okay? Here's Judy. And someone who was there said like, the place just went crazy and she just like blossomed with that love and support. And I'm like, why can't we like all keep that in mind with our like troubled stars now? And that's the attitude that
0: they need, like, it's like they've gone through these like difficult times and then they're mocked for it so they're embarrassed and you have to acknowledge it like he did a perfect job you have to acknowledge the elephant in the room that like okay everyone heard the rumors of yeah. her tr- trying to kill herself and so let's just like quickly acknowledge it and then be like okay and now turn a new chapter show
1: her some love yeah like just to change your mind frame from like seeing these celebrities as like and we're obviously all guilty of this like things to analyze and like pick apart but like to just like shift to like this person needs my love and support and I actually matter to them like as an audience member and like there's like a two-way street going on here and like that's kind of the only love she ever got like was from her audiences so she just ate it up and it made her like come alive so I thought that was really sweet it's nice to have a friend and I was like oh I'm Bing Crosby what a good guy I didn't know (laughs) I love that. Based on the one thing I now know about Ben Crossy. <laughs> I know. I don't know anymore. He might be like a murderer for all I know. But I know. Um, yeah. um, So now where are we at? Let's see. She married producer Sid Luft and had two more kids with him, Lorna and Joey. And Sid helped her land the role in A Star is Born, which was a 1954 remake of a 1937 movie at that time. The prequel to the Lady Gaga, Bradley Cooper, Star is Born. <laughs> <laughs> the prequel to Barbara Streisand star is born and then Lady Gaga, of course. Yeah. Um, and then her fourth marriage was to an actor who she married in Vegas and divorced five months later because he was abusive and having affairs with men. So that was tough. And then she was single until 1969, which was the year she died. She married her friend, Mickey Deans, who she met while he was delivering stimulants to her. So she married her dealer. They were married only three months before she died. He gave her everything she wanted, you know, substance wise. And so he discovered her, you know, dead after her accidental overdose of barbiturates at age 47. Um, (sighs) Even though she was 47 when she died, like she looked so much older because she had like lost teeth and stuff and then her obituary in the la times lists her illnesses as hepatitis exhaustion kidney ailments nervous breakdowns drug reactions overweight underweight suicide attempts injuries suffered and falls
0: rude i know unnecessary detail
1: we didn't ask for her medical history we just asked for an obituary la times i know like gosh that's so harsh but like i guess you know at the end of her life she was like she was like near homeless. Like she was so broke. She couldn't like pay for hotels anymore. She was spending all her money as soon as she got it. She was in trouble with the IRS. Uh, it was really, really a tough um, last few years. Kind of like no hope for her, even though she was a survivor.
0: Give you that. But like, yeah, there was just no chance for her ever to really succeed.
1: Yeah. Her quote to McCall's magazine two years before her death was, do you know how difficult it is to be Judy Garland and for me to live with me? I've had to do it and what more unkind life can you think of than the one I've lived which is so sad but in a different interview with Barbara Walters she was asked like what brought the most joy to her life sorry I'm just just the fact that her and Barbara Walters were on the same timeline I'm just like
0: (laughs) (laughs) that makes perfect sense when you say it but like I grew up watching 2020 like with Barbara Walters as a kid and like also watched uh, Wizard of Oz, but that was like old time. It's just this is mind blowing. This is like well, when people I th- compare like the timeline of like the dinosaurs and the pyramids and stuff. It's like oh, I
1: know. Well, I think Barbara Walters was born the same year as Anne Frank. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> like she's that's ageless babe like she's been here before us and she will be here when we're gone
0: (laughs) oh my god wow well all of my news came from watching 2020 i would watch it every friday (laughs) yeah i know i loved her she was incredible. She made me a little too more afraid of stranger danger than I needed to be, but that's okay. Never
1: be and too cautious. Her like vaseline lens is iconic. Like her
0: just Absolutely. like in the blurriest world. Absolutely. <laughs> if I yeah, if I had to be on TV with all the bright lights, I'd want a vaseline lens too. Yeah, in the
1: first season of Drag Race, like you can really tell RuPaul like was taking from the Babs book of.
0: <laughs> I love how Babs is. <laughs> Is like, you know, it's like the Barbs, but I'm a Babs. (laughs) I'm a Bab. I'm a
1: Bab. People need to put more respect on the legacy of Barbara Walters. (laughs) Oh my gosh. So, to end on a nicer note, Barbara asked Judy what brought the most joy to her life. And she said, Well, my two friends here, because she was with her two younger kids, myself, my oldest daughter, my son in law, my future, my past, my present, and my audiences. And that ain't bad. Aww. I know. Wow.
0: Rest well, in heart, peace, Judy. Heartbreaking. Yeah. Wow. Um. Yeah. God rest her soul. Like literally, rest in peace, because that's maybe the only peace she's able to know. Unfortunately. I know. Ooh. Okay. Well. Wow. Um. Much to think about. Uh, let's move on to basically the diametric opposite of that. Someone who. Reached nothing but success, um, was celebrated, uh, was a weird fucking guy, and slightly fascist, uh, Walt Disney. Okay, so (laughs) I'm going to get into the life and times of Walt Disney, but I just had to say before I get into that, that looking at the history of it, I just like, I can't believe how blessed we are that we were coming of age right during the disney renaissance like it was from 1989 to 1999 like we were kids during i think like, the best like kids content that was ever produced like little mermaid lion king you know mulan hercules tarzan hunchback of notre dame beauty and the beast aladdin like all of
1: that we shouldn't take that for granted and i never do i was just re-watching them on when i got access for a moment to disney plus <laughs> okay okay
0: well i i took it for granted um and (laughs) i'm here to repent for that um and also roast walt disney a little bit Um, yeah he deserves it he does deserve it i'm gonna first though (laughs) i kind of figured um judy garland would be a very sad tale so we're gonna get into some fun facts about walt disney starting from like lightest to kind of like uh the heavier um he was the original voice of mickey mouse fun fact and holds the record for the most oscars 22 oscars and 59 nominations god damn wow um and his favorite song of all time was feed the birds from mary poppins which i just included as a fun fact because i know you hate mary
1: poppins um oh god and especially the weird songs about fucking birds and chimney sweeps and shit
0: oh my god i have the birds. I get it in my head every time I see like a pretty big collection of pigeons. Okay. A bag. <laughs> <Chop-ins>.
1: <laughs> I loved Mary Poppins. I know you I, don't. I just watched the drag version on <laughs> RuPaul's Drag Race UK. They just did Mary Poppins and um oh yeah it yeah. had like a sexy bird lady like cover. Oh, yeah, That's really funny
0: yeah the whole thing was a very sexy production um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. okay <laughs> um this is an interesting fact so he wanted to put out snow white and the seven dwarves this was like his first like big big like animated movie um and everyone was like there's no way people are gonna watch an hour and a half of cartoons lol now you know otherwise but to convince his team he performed the entire movie as a one-man show for them, from beginning <laughs> to end, playing all the characters. <laughs> oh my god, he lived for the theater. He lived for the spotlight. And there's <laughs> in my research, every time I came across this fact, there would always be this quote underneath. Art director Ken Anderson said, we were spellbound. He was all by himself, and he acted out this fantastic story. And I'm like, Of course you had to say it
1: It was great. You can't be like, that was fucking weird. Like, (laughs) if I saw my boss start performing Cinderella, like, as a grown man, I would be spellbound as well. (laughs) sorry it's no way it's no way it might be. yeah but like
0: i want to see the movie of that i would watch that <laughs> Absolutely. as a movie <laughs> walt- that is camp baby <laughs> like i would watch like a going back and forth between walt disney playing it and doing all the voices and then like his employees all just like wide-eyed <laughs> watching this <laughs> um so yeah he was uh yeah he was a weird guy um <laughs> loved Loved attention, which, you know, that I can relate to. Um, He banned Disney employees from having facial hair, even though he was known for his signature mustache. So not only did he like the spotlight, but he wanted to be he wanted to be that girl.
1: He wanted to be the sexiest motherfucker at Disneyland. Was he a Leo? It's okay.
0: (laughs) Why are we? We're like a hive mind. I read that and I thought maybe he's a Leo and I looked it up and no, he's a Sagittarius oh okay with a libra moon so he's like loves a little like he loves to a little artsy show and he's a little fiery uh (laughs) but yeah that's leo behavior love the leos listening but (laughs) like maybe it's the leo rising like surely it's in there somewhere (laughs) virgo rising just like you sam oh my god no (laughs) (laughs) it's okay it's just one similar aspect um okay okay he had like a lot of big ideas obviously he was an idea man um but one of them that they actually went through with this was when like disneyland was first started to to open up um it was a store called the wonderful wizard of bras Hmm. and it displayed an array of women's quote women's unmentionables including (laughs) 3d imagery with its host who was a male bra wizard robot dressed in a corset and stockings
1: wait its host I,
0: was a robot it had yeah its host was a male robot who is a bra wizard but he himself was dressed in corset and stockings so whoa ahead of their time really that is the future of drag <laughs> that is the future of drag robots (laughs) who are male bra wizards sadly it was so far ahead of its time that the store closed after six months so tragedy yeah but that is yeah that is the future of drag (laughs) that's the future that liberals want to see which is (laughs) ironic because he was staunchly against liberals um okay so here are some like kind of more um sad interesting depressing facts about him okay so you know how there's this trope in disney films where basically almost all of them have like either no mother or the mother gets killed off or it's like a single parent or it's evil stepmothers something like that yeah okay so i knew that it was because he had lost his mom but it's also because he felt responsible for her death um because right when he started to get successful, him and his brother bought their mom a house and then there was a gas leak and she like told him about it. And she's like, hey, I think there's a gas leak. You guys need to send someone to fix it. And so he sent employees and they didn't fix it properly. And she died in <gasps> of the gas leak. Oh my God. I know. And that was like right before he really got going. So he was just so haunted. So like anytime people would like present him scripts and like concepts and it would have like two parents he'd be like no like we're gonna kill the mother off or like there's just none in the first place and like part of it was like him reconciling with his grief but also like his guilt of like feeling responsible
1: my god it's like bambi
0: well exactly and that's exactly why that happened in bambi
1: he's like i'm gonna make everybody witness my pain
0: yeah he's like yeah, the most traumatic thing that happened to me, I'm going to make kids have it as like the first formative memory. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. Okay. No, I know. I know. And like, I get why he would feel responsible. Like, it wasn't his fault, but like, I would feel the same way. Of course, me too. Oh, it's just haunting. Um, another, okay, this is a very bizarre fact is that on Disney's deathbed, there was a piece of paper where he had written just the name Kurt Russell. And it was also believed to be his last words. (laughs) Kurt Russell, the actor. I'm not joking. (laughs) I'm not joking. When did did he die? Was Kurt Russell around? Um, Yeah. So he died in 1966. And so even Kurt Russell didn't understand why his name was on his deathbed because he was a child actor at the time and he had just signed to Disney studios. Um, So that happened.
1: (laughs) And no one knows why. Kurt Russell. My God, if I was Kurt Russell, I'd be waking up in a cold sweat thinking about that
0: to this day. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it would be. I mean, I think really if anyone had like written your name. If anyone
1: scrawls my name out on their deathbed, don't. (laughs) Fucking don't. Stop
0: it. (laughs) If I meet my untimely demise, I'll do that just to prank you. Just to do one (laughs) last prank. (laughs) Well, from you, it would be cute if you just had like a little heart. (laughs) Sam. (laughs) (laughs) Love. (laughs) <laughs> um okay noted uh well okay and so speaking of his death um i'm sure you've heard of the rumor of him being frozen like there's like this conspiracy that he was frozen you've heard of this right yep okay i was digging and digging to try to get to the bottom of like why of why this rumor started so okay it's it's not true there's like so many conspiracies about how like Disney on ice and the movie frozen were like literally just invented so that the SEO would be buried of him being a frozen man to be (laughs) revived later (laughs) and amazing the basis of it is so dumb the only like reason for it is because he was really pushing the Epcot center epcot world whatever which is now like a part of the theme park but he really wanted it to be this like community of tomorrow and community of the future and like whatever it was all kinds of world fairs at the time were doing like society of the future like it was it was a big thing of the times. they were like he was so obsessed with the future and then basically he was like a heavy chain smoker so he had lung cancer and then he basically like he knew he, he had like very little time left so he like seated down his employees and like did this little address to them where he was smiling and making eye contact and then told them what he expected of their performance in the future and that he hoped to see them soon and like yeah. them and him knew it was their last address i'm like hope to see you soon and that's what you guys latched on to and that's why there's <laughs> that's basically like where the rumor got started i'm like he just wanted to be remembered he was going out and he said see you soon like he wasn't yeah. like literally i'll see you in like
1: 15 <laughs> years <laughs> fucking literally when you saw me you, you are my eternal servant <laughs> yeah like nice. it's like not that deep
0: anyway i've just heard of that rumor my whole life um and i got to the bottom and i was like this is very anticlimactic for me so that's that um so it's really interesting because when you read anything about him i learned in preparation for this episode every biography is either like he was an incredible man he was an amazing family man he was nice to everyone he was literally not a nazi at all um (laughs) and he was so great or they're like he was a really awful person to be around and he was like very racist and anti-semitic there's not really much in between um like i feel like the wikipedia page about him was heavily edited by like i'm gonna say i'm gonna go on a limb and say maybe some like disney adults because it was like one line about him maybe being like into nazis and then it was like but like there's so much proof of why he wasn't
1: i was like "Mm." yeah like i know i I was like bizarrely reading articles that were like claims that walt disney were anti-semitic completely untrue like that was the headline and i'm like okay uh like why then has this rumor persisted i mean i guess you're like well the frozen one has but i think the most i read when i like tried to dig into the specifics was people were like he was no more or less anti-semitic than everyone was at the time <laughs> like
0: it was a thing to be (laughs) if you're calling him a nazi you have four fingers (laughs) pointing back at you yeah so aren't we all a little racist at the end of the day like that
1: that was the vibe of these articles they're like yeah sure he said no black employees at disneyland but like it was an anti-black time and like yes he was always making comments about the jews but like hello it was like mad men you guys it wasn't a big deal
0: (laughs) yeah yeah i wonder well the you know the disney corporation are one of the few what five media conglomerates they have so much money so it wouldn't be hard to throw money at just making fluff pieces about him because disneyland makes so much money disney movies so it doesn't it's not a good look if he's known as a nazi so i'm sure there's been money put into squashing that yeah Um, of course and they've also squashed song of the south oh yeah yes yeah and also i mean it took a lot of digging to get to why he was first rumored to be a Nazi or Nazi sympathizer. Um and he attended meetings of the pro-Nazi organization, the German American Bund, through the 1930s. Um and there was this Nazi propagandist. So she was an actor and director of Nazi propaganda films. Um I'm gonna butcher her name, Laney Reifenstahl. Um, he gave her a private tour of his studio a month after Kristallnacht, which for anyone listening who doesn't know, Kristallnacht is like one of the, it was basically like a a riot that went and many, many Jews were killed. It was like a buildup to, um, the camps essentially. Um, and to give her a, like, it was a well-known thing that he was giving her this tour a month after. seems like a pretty bold statement, um yeah so all of the things i found were like no like he wasn't anti-semitic at all he just allied himself publicly with people who were Mm -hmm. they're just fun to hang out with after they're done with their nazi stuff what do you guys not get about
1: that oh my god so wait was he german or is he just like a wasp nope just no or like oh you mean born in
0: he wasn't born in germany
1: no, but like, what's his like family background? Like, are they rich, poor? Like, do you know?
0: Well, his
1: parents were like Irish, German,
0: English, like. Sure. Yeah. Of I just
1: kind of was wondering, like, how did he get, like, how the fuck did he get his start? You know? Well, he was a
0: salesman and he actually almost completely got diverted to selling vacuum cleaners, which is how he got his start. And then he opened up a failed animation studio. Um, didn't work out and then just tried, try it again he just he was just a guy who had a bunch of different jobs and just kept trying things and had these really really bold visions um and disney world landed like he just he just believed in this idea and also uh, a lot of it was uh, luck on his side like he got the patent for um it was called technicolor it was basically like the one technology that could make like films in color at the time and he had the patent on it for two years so he was the only person who could make films in color for two years so it's just like a combination of like him just doing random jobs and having these ideas of like cartoon mouse um paired with Yeah, these bigger picture, like everything falling into place. I do think a bit of it was kind of like meant to be or sort of like in his destiny. Like he, this is like silly, but he played Peter Pan in high school. Okay. In his high school play. Like, you know, and Peter Pan is just so, it's like one of the big Disney movies. I don't know. He was a high school dropout. He was
1: just like a, just a guy. He just had a song in his heart. And he tugged himself up by those bootstraps as a young white male. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Everything
0: was stacked against him as a young white man at the time. Um, (laughs) Yeah. yeah. And he just wanted to do a song and dance um, to anyone who was uh, right wing. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That's the next little bit. Um, He really, though, like his whole like um, Nazi sympathizer side gets a lot of attention. He was really much more of like an anti-communist. Uh like, yeah, I know he was a big union buster. A huge union buster. Like quite literally. So he did so many things to bust unions. And like basically any enemy of his, he would just call a communist. And he like he testified before Congress. Um he said that all the labor union organizers um was part of an organized communist effort to like influence Hollywood and like overthrow the government. Um and okay, Speaking of like union busters, there was a picket line once and he had to be physically restrained from attacking the leader of it. Mm -hmm. Like he was trying to bust the union. I've always heard that term like, but he
1: was he took it a little, little seriously. Yeah. Like he went in there with a baseball bat. Um, Yeah. I just had this like flash that I like totally forgot the name Joseph McCarthy and McCarthyism is what all this like anti-communist stuff was. And so I'm sorry for the history buffs that were like screaming.
0: (laughs) the three people that were like it's (laughs) mccarthyism you idiots um yeah yeah, that is what he was all about mccarthyism (laughs) yeah and he was just like a the perfect like all-american i say all-american facetiously but like all-american guy he even produced animated war propaganda and training videos for the u.s military and like when he was younger he like tried to um fake his like birth certificate to be able to fight in the war he was just like a a good old boy like a good old timey boy yeah he was like an america first kind of guy yeah yeah america first and he was like the original like he was doing like make america great again
1: um he was just keep america great like yeah. like let's just keep it the way it fucking is if you know what i mean
0: yeah yeah he's like america's great now nothing needs to
1: change and i think we can all agree to that Yeah. He's I like I mean he tried to make like slavery adorable in Song of the South. He's making cutesy World War II propaganda. Like I mean, this guy was he was in it to win it. I mean he
0: he was a yeah he was a mid century Republican dream. Also because he's making such like delightful movies that like glorify you know that like kind of like almost like Leave It to Beaver life.
1: Yeah. What?
0: There's like a freaking protest going down the street. I can't hear it. Oh my god. Okay. Oh my god. (laughs) Okay, we just had to pause. We're being haunted. There is currently we're being interrupted by a protest going by and they're all waving communist flags. I am not kidding. There is a red, they're all waving red flags with a hammer and sickle. This has never happened on my street before. (laughs) Whoa, I got chills. They're like, yeah, fuck Disney. (laughs) yes, comrades. Oh, and they're also, it's also about the environment. Okay, I'm peeking. I only saw, (laughs) I looked up and there was like five red flags with the hammer and sickle. I was like, what is going on? (laughs) Power to the
1: people, babes. Yeah, I mean, power to the people.
0: (laughs) It's just funny to be like at the segment where I'm talking about what a staunch anti-communist he is. And the podcast is being um somewhat rudely interrupted by
1: (laughs) you're like actually i changed my fucking mind (laughs) these commies need to go yeah Yeah, they need to shut the fuck up fuck living wages (laughs) am i right oh my gosh
0: (laughs) anywho back to our favorite well no that's what we got today that's you know and we're at the end (laughs) (laughs) and that's how we're gonna end it like (laughs) by saying you know power to the people Um, comrades, uh, thank you for joining us and rise up. Yeah. Workers of the world unite and all that. (laughs) Yeah. Get the mechanisms of distribution take seize the take. means of production yes, yes. and this <laughs> sees the means of production that's what i'm thank you thank i you. love
1: your like alternate take though <laughs> my, my you're brain. like making your own. you're like this is an original idea that i made it's a little no. different <laughs> no i was trying to say <laughs> <laughs> kidding, i'm kidding <laughs> i'm
0: trying yeah we gotta put a fresh spin on it you know um <laughs> keep things fun well <laughs> this has been a wild ride um thank you
1: for joining us <laughs> Thank you for listening to our descent into the pits of Hollywood hell. Yeah. Love you guys. Au revoir, mes amours. All right, guys, that's it for
0: today. Don't forget to subscribe. Leave me a review. Heck, leave a five-star review while you're at it. Follow me on Instagram. It's become a whole thing and TikTok. And I'll see you next week. Au revoir, mes amours.